You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this week's America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're tuned in to Healthcare Insight. What we've been talking about in this broadcast is healthcare reform in various ways, shapes, and forms. Of course, as we're making this recording right now, the big issue is the uh, coronavirus. And many of you may be thinking, well, how does all this health care reform reflect on the current topic of the coronavirus? I guess everybody's talking about it, so let's take a few minutes and kind of connect the dots here relative to health care reform. What we're seeing is across the world, government-run programs have been very inadequate in dealing with the surge of health care needs. They don't have as strong a public health system as we have in the United States. And in the United States, our own public health system was not really created or established, so the systems weren't structured to handle something like a worldwide pandemic. So the coronavirus is giving us an opportunity to reassess those. The distribution of medications, the availability of services, the value of areas that have been developing like telemedicine and more outpatient services in various ways, shapes, and forms. We're talking about how can we as individuals do our own testing? Are there software packages? Are there opportunities for us to be able to get faster results on whether or not we've been exposed or have the issues with coronavirus? Well, I can tell you one thing. As far as the healthcare system and the industry itself, we're going to spend more money on healthcare next year than we did last year. And that has been true for most of my entire lifetime. Healthcare is an important, critical issue to all of us. Staying healthy, tapping into new medications. I mean, where is the answer going to come for a new serum, a new immunization, a new flu shot for the coronavirus? Is it going to come from the government lab? Well, I think it's more likely to come from a partnership. Maybe it's funding from the federal government, but it's going to be the private companies that are going to develop it. The private research is going to be able to take and do the testing and work with the federal government to get things approved faster, to streamline some of the Federal Drug Administration rules and regulations that take years for new medication and new drug to get to market. So if there's any silver lining in all this, is that we're reassessing our systems. And the current administration has brought together experts from across the board. They brought in businesses. They brought in companies expert in getting distribution out to the general public. Walmart, Target, CVS, Walgreens. Those are all privately owned companies, and they're working hand-in-hand with the federal government to figure out how in the world do we distribute the kind of medications that we really need to get going out there in the marketplace. How do we get to people what they really need, especially in a time where time means lives? Lives are going to be lost if we don't take quick action. But we can't just take action for action's sake. I think there's a very diligent behind-the-scenes creation that's going on to be sure that we've got the right kind of test and don't create false positives or false negatives. I mean, what if we went to market 
as was recently said on one of the television shows by one of the experts. What if we went to market and told people they had HIV back in the 1980s when they really didn't? So we can't create more panic on top of existing panic. So the healthcare system has to be realigned around reality through science. And I think for the first time ever, we're actually taking a look at the situation and what can be improved. So I think there's a silver lining in that aspect. The other aspect of a silver lining is I think we're finding, and I'm sure there'll be a great reassessment across the board in our country as to how dependent are we on other countries? How are we dependent on China, as an example, for our drugs and medications? I have a firm belief that the smart CEOs in this country will take a look at the situation after they get through the panic of what's going on. And they'll try to figure out, well, how do I create a redundant system, if nothing else, in the United States so that if a problem occurs, I'm sure I am not dependent on foreign suppliers. I mean, President Trump sort of made this all come to the forefront in his campaign when he's talking about make America great. Focus on America. I want to do what's right for my country and my people first. One of the industries that he said we had to absolutely have in this country is the steel industry. So he changed the steel tariffs against other countries that were dumping cheap steel into the country. And while cheap steel may be good for the buyer, it's not necessarily good for the country because if we had to build tanks, we had to build ships, if we had to build any kind of hardware, we need to be sure that we can produce our own steel in times of need. So the same message is now finding resonance in other parts of our economy. And quite honestly, I don't know, you don't know, and I'm not sure the government knows all the issues where some vital, critical element of our economy, of our self-defense, of the health of our people, of our educational needs, are really dependent upon suppliers overseas. Yes, we've enjoyed the cheap labor from China. But at what cost? And I think we're going to be reassessing that. So I think that coronavirus tells us a number of things, both strengths and weaknesses of our economy, and we've got smart enough people that are actually looking to address those. Whether it's in the healthcare system, whether it's in the tax system, whether it's in pharmaceuticals, whatever it is, I think there's going to be some significant changes that we'll find occur over the next year to two especially once we get through this current panic and business gets back to so-called normal, which will be a new normal. But I think bringing more jobs back to the United States, bringing more manufacturing back to the United States, and yes, costs are probably going to go up. So we'll see some inflation. But as a country, we'll be much more protected. I think we'll see this in our politics six months from now, seven months from now. We're going to see a great debate over how the United States should position itself in this global economy that people have been talking about for many years. And Trump came and said, no, we need to be focusing on our own economy first, and then we can help others because we'll be stronger for it. So when we get to actual health care reform, which has been the core of this podcast, 
radio program, whichever you're viewing this on, whatever you're hearing this on, I think what we're going to find out is that healthcare reform in the private market is going to be much more acceptable to people than government reform. I think the way this administration has brought in the private sector and shown that there are problems and issues with the government, that we need to partner up with the private marketplace, that we need to recognize the strengths of the private marketplace in distributing services and reaching out to the public. That's what they are expert at. The government is not particularly expert at that. In fact, there are a lot of holes and gaps that we've seen in the delivery of health care through government sources like the VA system. We know that government doesn't do things very efficiently. Laws and regulations prevent companies from doing some of the new, creative, inventive things. And we are in a period where great new developments are being established, whether it's telemedicine, artificial intelligence, new surgery techniques using robotics, whether it's the discovery of breakdown of the the genome of understanding DNA and how our genes are mutating constantly and how we might be able to fix that. There's all sorts of things that the government regulations have not taken into account because they didn't even exist when the regulations were written. So one of the great things that's going on right now is how the government regulations at the federal level are being waived. This administration, through the experts, is finding out barriers to getting the care and treatment to people that they really need in this time of crisis. So as some in the past have said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Many times that saying is used as an excuse to get government to take over things. And there have been proposals even here with this crisis that the government ought to nationalize certain industries. Well, I can't imagine a worse outcome because we're all in this together. So that spirit of unity that's been dividing, that's been a problem. We've been divided by so much anger, hatred even at times among the political factions. Maybe this will be like 9-11. We'll we'll at least come together with a spirit of unity to solve a crisis. So we'll see where this goes. A lot of times these kind of events for getting together in that spirit of unity don't last very long. Well, let's hope for a better outcome this time that at least softens the edges of the mean-spirited nature that had been going on prior to this. It also makes us aware as individuals and as a country how fragile life can be, how fragile this world is when we're so connected. I mean, two, three weeks ago, none of this was on any of our minds. Now, some people knew it was going on and had heard about something going on in China, but nobody really knew how disastrous it would be, how we basically have shut down the entire world from getting together, from going to meetings, from going to conferences, from working. But we're finding out that maybe there's alternative ways instead of all collecting together at the office, that we do more work from uh, home. And there's certain businesses that are going to thrive from all this. Home deliveries, Amazon, maybe some others. So we'll kind of see where all this shakes out. But it all is certainly going to have an impact on health care and health care reform 
and obviously health insurance, which is what we've been focusing on for so long here. So we've been talking about how do we personalize the health insurance coverage that we need to cover all the areas that might come up. How do we engage the private market in establishing a system that helps all of us with good health insurance so we can get good health care? That's what I really want to focus on over the rest of this hour. We talked last week about personalized health insurance and how easy it would be to restructure the system to level the playing field and empower consumers so they can get what they want when they want it, a price that they would like, a much more affordable price than is available today. And yet the core of personalized health insurance is to help the most needy among us. We want to personalize their coverage so they get the care they need. If you've got asthma, diabetes, congestive heart failure, cancer, brain trauma, spinal injuries, whatever it is, you need different kind of care, different kind of insurance than the rest of us. We might need that for the potential But the immediate need to help somebody is there today for people with seriously impaired health status. That's not to stigmatize those people. It's to help them. In fact, people with those conditions, I hope at the end of the day, would see personalized health insurance as we're describing it and developing it as a real benefit to them to get better, to stabilize their condition, and even to recover. So let's take a break right now, and we'll be back in a few minutes and really get into the details again of personalized health insurance as the platform for reform. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Healthcare Insight. We're ready to move on now and talk about how personalized health insurance really will help everyone in this country get the care they need, whether it's a coronavirus attack or whether it's some other issue, an explosion of cancer, an explosion of some national pandemic like coronavirus, but different, so that requires new treatments, new medications, whether it's an expansion of asthma, whatever the chronic and persistent condition is, each one of us needs our own personalized health insurance coverage so that we can get personalized 
health care. That's really what the core of this whole couple of weeks now that we're trying to discuss. Last week we went into a broad overview and gave sort of a general concept of what personalized health insurance is and how it works. And if you remember back then, just to get everybody on the same page, we said if you're applying as an individual for health insurance, you would get coverage one of four ways. You would either first be accepted by a participating insurer. Second, if you're rejected, but you really shouldn't have been rejected, there will be an organization called a health review authority that would look over the application information, the health information provided, and if you're not truly uninsurable, you will get a certificate of guaranteed coverage that you can take back to the insurance industry and get the coverage that you want at a fair price. Third, if you're rejected, you'd get a certificate of guaranteed coverage, but first, your finances would be looked at. You can make an application based upon your income level that even a standard premium rate is too great for your family to pay for. And so there would be a premium subsidized insurance exchange. I hate to say that it would be like the Obamacare exchanges, but it would have some aspects of that because it would be subsidized by federal monies, much like Obamacare is today, but it would be not as widespread available. The guidelines wouldn't be such that more than 50-60% of the people now under Obamacare qualify for subsidized coverage. That would be for people who are truly in need. If we take away the people who are working, who have enough income to pay for their own insurance or have it subsidized by an employer, we can take government funds and focus them in on the truly needy and give them more even though other people are getting less, the people getting less don't need what they might otherwise tap into because they've got plenty of income, they've got plenty of opportunities. We don't need to be subsidizing people as we do under Obamacare that make over $100,000 a year for a family of four. And then the fourth area, if they're truly uninsurable, they will be allowed access to a subsidized coverage under what I call the Impaired Health Support Group be a series of plans. Even though you're impaired, you may have different plan needs that you want, different premium levels that you're willing to help pay for. So we're talking about four areas. It's really simple. One, two, three, four, it's easily communicated. There are no gaps in coverage for those insured today. You'll be able to flow into one of these buckets of coverage. No one is required to buy insurance against their will but 100% of Americans would be able to purchase affordable health insurance. So if you want health insurance, you will get a health insurance policy under one of the four options as we described in personalized health insurance last week. And as I said last week, I know it's hard to believe that you can get what you want when you want it. It's easy to be skeptical, but we're going to take this week and give a little bit more description so people can understand how easy it is to develop a personalized health insurance system and how it levels the playing field between the individual and insurance companies who pre-Obamacare had all the power. They could accept or deny anybody they want. They could rate people at whatever premiums they want. There were very few limitations. 
yes, some states had some limitations built in. Some states had requirements, but typically those requirements and those limitations aggravated the marketplace and didn't make it more affordable. It only made it more expensive and less available. So the personalized health insurance system we're describing builds on that private market of employer-sponsored and employer-subsidized health insurance financing system. The basic premise is it's better to have an employer-subsidized insurance system than it is a government-subsidized insurance system. I mean, after all, the employer is getting the benefit of healthy, productive employees. Employees that are back on work more effective because their family members who were sick got taken care of, had the right coverage, and got the right care. So they should be providing some subsidy for that. And most employers want to subsidize. And usually an employer subsidy is anywhere between 50 and 75% of the cost of the insurance. So why not? Why would we not use employer-subsidized health insurance to cover as many people as possible? Over 200 million people get their insurance through the private market. 71% of Americans are satisfied with their employer-provided health coverage. And that's of those who get coverage. So that represents actually a 93% satisfaction rate for the 76.2% of Americans aged 0 to 64, non-Medicaid, non-Medicare, with employer-sponsored, employer-subsidized group health plans. So private market is very popular and is doing the right thing, getting the coverage out to people who want the coverage. But it needs to be changed, expanded, not eliminated. Personalized health insurance draws mainly on employer subsidies rather than government subsidies, as I just said. Government subsidies are then focused on the seriously impaired health lives, the uninsurables, and the working poor, the non-Medicaid marketplace, because Medicaid is for the poor. But there's a lot of working poor, especially in small employers, that aren't making enough money or making minimum wage or just above that. And they can't afford health insurance even though they are working. So we can do both of those, cover the seriously impaired health lives, the uninsurables, and the working poor non-Medicaid population if we just get smart and develop a system that focuses on those lives and not try to give subsidies to everybody so that we can win their votes as politicians. Focus, focus, focus. Because why? The private market employers typically contribute 50 to 75% of the cost of health insurance to their employees and family members. Why would we not tap into that resource? help cover the cost of health insurance. Why is it always we expect the federal government to come in or state governments to come in? Employers are the ones that benefit by having those employees healthy. And there is some government involvement because those dollars paid for health insurance are tax advantage dollars. They're, they're business expenses, as they should be. And for employees, it's not taxable income for when their employer pays for the health insurance. So we have a system in place that is the core of beginning a new phase that's even more improved. On the key issue of pre-existing conditions, which was the problem with the old pre-Obamacare system, for much of that system, 
we have to recognize a couple of things that got overlooked as we moved into Obamacare. First of all, self-insured plans, which is the way most large employers cover their insurance, they're self-insured. They've always covered pre-existing conditions with minimal restrictions. So the personalized health insurance provides you, your family, neighbors, and others with insurance with these same features that large self-insured plans have provided forever. Now, I know we're on an audio program of radio, and there are some video dimensions to this that might be available, but you're probably listening to this with just audio. Well, pictures are worth a thousand words, but let me see if I can walk through the steps of a following diagram and describe it to you in words, and then we'll get into more detail after I sort of give an overview and try to create a picture of what personalized health insurance is all about. Think about which option would apply to you and your family. So make this personal. Or maybe you want to consider a neighbor's situation. Now think of someone with existing hypertension, congestive heart failure, or paralysis. Can they get coverage under this approach? Well, first, let's consider the purchase of an individual policy. If who you're thinking about is considering or already has an individual policy, they would either be, one, accepted by a participating insurer, and there's no federal or state subsidies for that. Two, accepted with a certificate of guaranteed coverage. There's no state or federal subsidies for that. Three, accepted into a premium subsidized insurance exchange, and there would be federal and maybe state subsidies for that. That's number three. And number four, accepted into a subsidized impaired health support coverage, which would also have state and or federal subsidies. So that's the one, two, three, four. Now picture this diagram. At the top you have an individual application for insurance. It goes into multiple insurance companies, and they're either accepted or they're rejected. If they're rejected, those rejected lives get a review by the health review authority. They can ask and request it. The insurance company can ask and request it. And if that person is not truly uninsurable, they get a certificate of guaranteed coverage, and they go back to the insurance companies, and they get their coverage. If they're truly uninsurable, they go into the impaired health support group. And if they were approved for that certificate of guaranteed coverage, but they were very low income and needed some premium support, they would go into a state exchange with federal subsidies for those low income individuals. So federal subsidies, state subsidies would occur at step number three or step number four. Step number three being a subsidy for low income. Step number four being insurance for those with impaired health issues, people who are uninsurable and need extra special services, not being shunned off into Never Never Land as we used to do with high-risk pools, but being put into an area where they get all the services they could possibly ever need or want to help them stabilize their condition, follow the doctor's orders, get the specialist, know where the premier hospitals are to deal with their situation, and hopefully to help them stabilize their condition. (coughs) Excuse me. So, 
I like diagrams, and I've tried to display that in the, the language and the words to display the workflow, the choices, and the options. But if that's not your cup of tea, I understand. Maybe I didn't paint as strong a picture with words here as I would like. So let me offer a more complete verbal explanation in the next segment. So come back in the next segment after these commercials, and we'll get into the details a little bit more of these steps one, two, three, four. See you then. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. Get your pen and paper ready. If there is a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. We've been talking about personalized health insurance and how you should get what you want, when you want, with the options you want, hopefully at the price you want and can pay for. If not, there may be options to have some subsidies to help you pay for it. It's an entirely different system than when we were under pre-Obamacare, it's an entirely different system from Obamacare. Now, I have suggested that there are some really good features of Obamacare that we can build into this new approach. Obamacare wasn't all bad. It was just mostly bad. So we factored in some of the ideas of Obamacare, like covering pre-existing conditions, guaranteed issue, unlimited lifetime limits as far as the coverage is concerned. But we, we've been talking about Today, what we've been going through are how you can be assured that whatever your current situation is, whatever your current health status is, whether you've got hypertension, congestive heart failure, paralysis, whether you're healthy or not healthy, it doesn't matter. Under personalized health insurance coverage, you will get what you need. And the reason I like the term personalized health insurance is that we don't need to have a one-size-fits-all. Everybody has to have the same thing. We're all individuals with our own needs. And I've described a model, a diagram that I have in front of me that identifies four different ways you would get insurance if you are an individual searching in the individual health insurance marketplace where you would get insurance no matter what. Now, I know many of you can't see that because we're on the radio. 
There's some of you who may be seeing this on a video, but for the most part, you can't see what I just tried to describe. So let me give a little bit more in-depth analysis of these four different steps. Let me offer a little bit better verbal explanation. Let's take that first step, that first option to get coverage. And that's when an individual makes an application to one or more insurance companies. And when they do, historical studies show that 88 to 89% are issued mutually acceptable policies. In other words, you get what you want. Your insurance company receives your application, may ask for some health care information, and when they process all of that, and you supply the paperwork that they need, access to your medical records, allow them to contact your doctors if that's what's requested, answer your questions honestly. 88-89% of people who do that get health insurance. Now, if that doesn't work for you, if you don't get what you need, there's an option number two. And under option number two, personalized health insurance offers anyone who might be rejected for insurance that first go around that they can have their application reviewed by a new organization called the Health Review Authority. And this is sort of the secret sauce of getting the leveling of the playing field between you and a health insurance company when you try to buy an individual health insurance policy. The Health Review Authority doesn't exist today. What does exist is not an entity that will take a look and actually provide good information and support to the consumer. What you have today is the federal government under Obamacare forcing insurance companies to offer you coverage, forcing you to buy insurance that you don't want. So if you're rejected under this option number two, you get to have your application reviewed by a health review authority. And if the rejection from the insurance company is overruled for non-financial reasons, the applicant will be granted a certificate of guaranteed coverage. That certificate must be honored by participating insurers. So you get to choose which insurer you want, and they have to offer you coverage. Now I'll explain later on in another week how that all works, why we have participating insurers, why they would want to participate, and how they would have to offer you insurance. And in that process, we also know from historical data that 8 to 9% of original applicants will get insurance, in addition to the 88 to 89% under option one. Option three says, if the Health Review Authority determines that the applicant requires financial assistance for the purchase of insurance, they will then be referred to a subsidized state health insurance exchange. Somewhat like Obama exchanges, but it would be much more limited. The subsidies would be focused on people who really need the financial assistance. Not like Obamacare, which provides assistance for a family of four over 
making over $100,000 a year. This structure would set its limits as to what it's subsidized and how much it's subsidized, but I do not expect this to be as broad a base subsidy as Obamacare. That would really focus more help to those most in need, those who are just above the Medicaid eligibility. In many cases, this is the working poor. They're working, but they don't make enough money to be able to fully support health insurance for a full family. So that's option number three. It's sort of a certificate of guaranteed coverage, but taken to the health insurance exchange where you'll be subsidized. Option number four, if the health review authority determines that the applicant is truly uninsurable, they will be referred to a subsidized impaired health support insurance coverage. And only 2 or 3% of original applicants would really qualify for this. That's what our historical data shows us. So while these might be the highest cost applicants, although not all people with impaired health, if they're following your doctor's orders or taking their medication, are necessarily high cost, but they are high risk. But in any case, they have an impaired health status. And they would be allowed into this impaired health support insurance plan, which would have multiple options that they could then choose from. So it's very personalized care. They need help now. They need the best help, the best support, the best information, the best resources. And that's the key to this whole program of personalized health insurance. It meets individual needs. Personalized health insurance is designed from its very core to meet your specific needs and circumstances. The process assures that regardless of your health condition and regardless of your financial situation, anyone wanting an individual health insurance policy is guaranteed one, even if there are serious existing conditions. Now, let's consider the situation where you get health insurance through an employer plan. Well, if you work for a large self-insured employer, you are regulated under a federal law called ERISA. You may not even know that your employer-sponsored plan is self-insured. In that case, just ask your human resource department and they will tell you. It's not a secret. Those ERISA laws and regulations are completely different from the laws governing individual policies and small fully insured group contracts. About 60% of Americans get coverage through large self-insured employer-sponsored plans. Employees and family members are not individually underwritten in self-insured plans. ERISA requires coverage of pre-existing conditions with minimal exclusions for very limited periods of time. Coverage is guaranteed after a short waiting period of 30, 60, mostly 90 days. But small groups are a different kettle of fish. Much like individual policies, small fully insured groups are governed by both Obamacare requirements and state laws. ERISA does not apply to individual or fully insured small groups. They apply only to those large self-insured groups. Pre-Obamacare, some states tried to fix this individual and small group market 
by mandating small group guaranteed coverage and community rating. That means everybody gets the same rate. But like Obamacare, those are market distortions that fail to encourage more coverage or lower prices. Young people didn't get the break. The healthy people didn't get the break they should get when buying health insurance. So we don't want to continue or go back to those failed approaches. We must find a new way forward. Personalized health insurance creates a path for persons in small groups, employees or their family members with chronic conditions, serious chronic and persistent conditions, to be accepted into an impaired health support group. Segmenting these needs from their small group coverage would not be a stigma, but a special service to provide extra help and support needed to deal with impaired health conditions. Most employees and family members, personalized health insurance for small groups be handled much like personalized health insurance for individual policies. The major difference is that you would be working, paying part of the premiums, and the employer would be subsidizing the costs. So a direct low-income government premium subsidy would not be necessary in the small group marketplace. Employers are getting the benefit of a healthy, productive workforce, and they are willing to pay a significant part of the premium. That's what our history shows. The problem for most small employers is that they don't have good choices and options for insurance coverage that are affordable for them and their employees. So by pulling out the seriously ill into a subsidized impaired health support coverage, the small employer market product gets a lot cheaper, probably somewhere between 15, 20, maybe even 25% lower than costs are today, which would allow small employers to more readily offer insurance to their employees. Because after all, that's where most of the uninsured are. That's where the, some of the biggest problems in our system are today with Obamacare and pre-Obamacare was in the small group marketplace. So, there might be a serious condition that makes a plan member, an employee or a family member, uninsurable in that small group plan. And therefore, the effects of insurability affect the entire group and or add significant premium costs to others in the group. Personalized health insurance would allow them to qualify for the same impaired health support coverage provided under individual policies. So, let me get into that on how the small group works and go through again sort of the visual picture and then a little bit more detail of how this small group marketplace would work in our very last segment that we have coming up. Because I think you'll see, as we describe all this, this integration of individual and small group marketplace by pulling out the highest cost, the highest risk into a common pool where we give them all the help and support anybody would ever want. If you had those kinds of conditions, you would want to have the kind of help and support to stabilize your condition, which actually lowers the overall cost of what otherwise might be very high-cost individuals. So let's come back and let's talk about those in our last and final segment for this week. Just hang with us a little bit. You've been listening to Ron Bachman here on 
Healthcare Insight, and you're on America's Web Radio. We'll be right back. Obamacare is failing, but in order to get back on the right track with health policy, people need to be informed. Obamacarewatch.org is your resource to understand what's happening with this law and what you can do to stay active, stay informed, and make positive change happen. Obamacarewatch.org. Visit us now. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and Healthcare Insight. Let's finish up this hour by talking about the last segment of the critical part of any healthcare insurance reform in our system. That is insurance for the small group market, making it more available, making it more affordable, making it more widespread to encourage employers to help subsidize the purchase of insurance for their working population. And many small businesses include what I call the working poor among their employee population. That's an area where if we can create a better marketplace for selling insurance into the small group market, the under 50 life employee, that small business down the street, the mom-and-pop grocery store, the laundromat, the restaurant, whatever it is, if we can get insurance to that marketplace on a more affordable basis and make guarantee coverage that there are avenues to provide the risk segmentation so that the better risks are left in a group and anybody with a major problem will be segmented out into an impaired health support marketplace. Not protecting the insurance companies from every problem because once they sign up for the insurance, it's theirs. I'll describe later how the insurance companies will truly benefit from this approach, but the taxpayers won't get stuck with a big bill with federal or state subsidies. So here's how you would guarantee coverage under personalized health insurance if you work for a small fully insured group. Remember, if you work for a large self-insured group, you already have all the coverages that you need. You have already significant employer subsidies, and you're covered for pre-existing conditions. You've always had that. And Obamacare had a carve-out segment, an exclusion for self-insured plans, and that's why, because they were already providing the care and benefits that people want and need. So, again, imagine a picture, very much like the picture we were talking about with individual policies, with small group, instead of a four-channel approach, it really simplifies to only three of those four. Under approach one, very similar to the individual policy, but in this case, all members of a group plan are accepted by a participating insurer. So there's no state or federal subsidies and historically, again, most small groups, if they applied, were accepted for group insurance by an insurer. The second channel of getting coverage is that initially, if the group is rejected, but after review by the Health Review Authority, says, no, 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 they shouldn't have been rejected. There's no problem here. 
the entire group is accepted then under a certificate of guaranteed coverage. They can take back to the insurance industry and say, I was improperly rejected. Now you have to offer me coverage at standard rates or only slightly above standard rates. And I'll give more details of that in a minute. The third channel is if the Health Review Authority finds that there is somebody, either an employee or a family member within the group that is uninsurable, that is otherwise the reason why that group can't be accepted for coverage, because every group's going to have people with that are healthy and unhealthy. But if there's somebody with such a serious problem that the group can't be accepted for insurance, that individual or individuals can be pulled out and put into an impaired health support group. And those would receive federal and or state subsidies, that impaired health support group. The remaining group members then are issued coverage by the insurer, where there is no state or federal subsidies. So we've lowered the cost of small, fully insured group plans substantially, that if you pull out that 2 or 3% that are truly uninsurable, the data shows that the overall cost of the remaining group is anywhere between 15 to 20% lower. So we've made insurance much more affordable for those employers who want insurance for their employees, are willing to provide some subsidy, but the current costs of group health insurance are just too high. We've just substantially lowered that cost. And wouldn't you rather have employer subsidies than government subsidies? So in this system, all small groups wanting to purchase insurance will be able to get it. No employer is mandated or required to purchase insurance, so we're not making employers do it as Obamacare tried to do. But we make it so affordable and so valuable to the employer that we'll get strong participation. And if that's not the case, the individual market will guarantee coverage of those individuals. However, everyone has an option for affordable coverage one way or another. So the visual picture, again, is that you have small group applications for insurance at the top of the chart. They make application to multiple insurance companies and either get coverage under option one through just standard underwriting and acceptance by the group, or those groups that are rejected will be reviewed by the Health Review Authority. And anybody who is uninsurable within that group will be pulled out and put into an impaired health support group. Those who are insurable, if that group is in total is considered to be insurable, and if the underwriting standard was just too strict, that group will be given a certificate of guaranteed coverage that they can then take back to the insurance companies, and they will have to be offered an insurance policy at standard rates or maybe some slight modification as determined by the Health Review Authority. So I know that once again I sort of tried to draw this visual picture of a personalized health insurance for small groups. So let me try to add a little bit more verbal description for those of you who are having a hard time maybe seeing that. I'm just a very visual person. I wish I could put this in front of you, this picture out there. But I've tried to paint the picture and maybe inadequately. So let me give a little bit more in-depth analysis of what these three options are for the small group marketplace. An employer with a small group 
of employees, generally 50 or fewer, wanting fully insured health coverage can apply to any participating insurer. They can then secure mutually agreed upon coverage at a discounted rate because they're super healthy, get them at standard rates, they get them some experience rated level or some increased premium or some minor limitations, but the group accepts the coverage. It's a mutually agreed upon contract. That's option one. Similar to the individual policies, this is the way small group of employees, their application would flow. The second option, the small group is insurable but is denied or unable to negotiate acceptable coverage at a fair premium. They can submit an application to this public-private mediator, the Health Review Authority. If the insurance company's final offer is not considered reasonable by the Health Review Authority, the small group will be granted a certificate of guaranteed coverage. That certificate would include coverage for any and all pre-existing conditions. The certificate can be taken to any participating insurer that would then be obligated to offer health insurance at their standard rates or a predetermined reasonable added cost not to exceed something like maybe 10% as determined by the Health Review Authority. The third avenue to get guaranteed coverage for small groups at affordable rates is if a member of the small group, an employee or family member, is determined by the Health Review Authority to be truly uninsurable, that individual will be offered coverage options under a subsidized impaired health support coverage. This third option is really the magic sauce and unique design of personalized health insurance. It allows for special personalized services and coverages for those most in immediate need of medical care. It allows the use of subsidized impaired health group coverages for both individual policies and group contracts. So it pulls people together, those making applications for individual policies and those a part of a group application that are turned into being uninsurable within that group contract. You pull them together, individual and group. And participating insurers don't get the benefit of this process unless they offer both individual and group contracts. That is a major difference in what insurance companies have been able to do in the past. In the past, when we had high-risk pools, insurance companies just stopped offering individual policies to avoid any unnecessary costs or losses from selling individual policies. In this case, they would have to offer both individual and group contracts. So the personalized health insurance will provide for the needs of the sickest among us and lower premiums for individual and small groups by somewhere between 15 and 20% and maybe even as high as 25% as determined by some analysis that I've seen. But certainly 15 to 20%. The number qualifying for the impaired health support may concern a lot of you listening. Well, it's really less than 2% of the population. A pre-Obamacare study states that perhaps only 1% of the population is truly uninsurable. It's hard to know for sure how many people are truly uninsurable, but there is ample evidence 
that the number and cost is much smaller than most policymakers presume. For those of you who can remember, Obamacare proved the number of uninsurables to be lower than expected. Included in Obamacare was a three-and-a-half-year transitional program known as the Pre-Existing Condition Insurance Plan, which launched in the summer of 2010. The Affordable Care Act appropriated $5 billion to finance that program, to subsidize that program. Three years later, by October, April 30th, 2013, there were only 110,000 individuals enrolled in that program, much, much lower than anybody expected. A Kaiser Foundation study in 2011 showed the uninsured as a percentage of the individual market to be just a little over 2%. The individual market is only 5 to 10% of the population. Therefore, the presumed uninsurables from that part of the market would amount to less than 1% of the total privately insured population. In the pre-Obamacare world, this group was shunted off into state high-risk pools. We didn't really care about them. Those pools were limited in benefits and had high premiums. They provided little or no support for those among us who are the sickest and most in need of support. Well, personalized health insurance reverses that approach. No one wants to be labeled as high risk, but most with health problems would welcome a personalized impaired health support plan. So that is the reason and the value for personalized health insurance. You need the coverage that you need. I need the coverage that I need. And we don't need government to set a one-size-fits-all. It has to be very personalized. And most importantly in that personalization is that we identify those who have the most impaired health risks that are otherwise uninsurable under most any kind of a definition and give them the benefits and support that they deserve. Only then will we have an affordable health insurance marketplace and only then, with affordable health insurance, can we get the right kind of health care that we need, the access to the health care that we want, the quality health care services that everybody really needs. Stay with me and come back next week, because we're going to flesh this out a little bit more, describe the Health Review Authority, Describe why health insurance companies would want to participate in this because we don't require them under the personalized health insurance plan. But I think the insurance companies will have the benefit, enormous benefit of being able to market to a broader market with lower premiums if they participate. So that's what we want. Come back next week. I hope everybody out there is safe and hunkering down, if you will, from the uh, coronavirus. And then you're able to come back next week. But if you're at home listening to podcasts and trying to understand the issues of the day, I hope this is helpful to you and that you'll come back and learn more from Ron Bachman here at Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. See you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.